All right, Jeremy, yeah. number two, go ahead and, and launch us off and get us get this party started. Well, listen, my own worst enemy, the big song, over 21 years ago after its initial release, I mean, certified double platinum, it's also the subject of a four-part documentary podcast that we're going to talk all about. Uh, welcome to the show, Jeremy Papa from Lit. There he is, everybody. Yeah. What's up, guys? What's happening, yeah. man? The great so Lit. It's so funny, my hair's all over the place. I just finished getting done with my physical therapist. When you guys are on the road and stuff, how do you guys take care of your bodies? And Do you guys go for massages and stuff? Or, I mean, we wouldn't pass on one if we could get one. <laughs> um, some, some of the bigger, like, nicer festivals will have someone running around backstage giving massages and stuff. But, um, yeah. man, honestly, everyone kind of has their own little regimen. And um, usually the only thing I do is stretch a little bit and have a couple of Tito's and Sprite Zeros and I'm good to go. <laughs> you're, you're that's, good the, to go. that's the tour prep. But be honest, like, you know, everybody talks about that. Oh, I have to be in shape for the tour. I have to be in shape for the road. Like being not in shape, I guess it would have an effect on your body. Like, I mean, we, we go pretty aggro on stage. So the, the 75 minutes that we're on stage is a workout. I mean, we, yeah. we, we're drenched with sweat when we walk off the stage. And, um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so that that's really the taking care of yourself part, you know, being on stage, that is the workout. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Somebody, you know, I, I forget who, who made this quote, but somebody said, um, talking about like what they get paid, you know, to play. And, and, mm -hmm. and they said, we don't get paid to play. We get paid for the 22 and a half hours a day that we have to travel and deal with all the other bullshit. <laughs> That's yeah. what we get paid for. The, the show is free. The show, the <laughs> well, show is free. It's funny you say that because it's kind of like that in radio. I mean, uh, the preparation is pretty much all the work. The performance is not, that's that's not even, that's that's not even the work part of it. It really is the preparing and getting ready and, you know, being set and ready to go. The yeah. performance part of it, that's just, that's just the fun. You know, I don't even consider yeah. like I get paid for the performance in a way. <laughs> it's yeah, all the prep. Absolutely. Let me uh, let me just quickly uh, ask you this, or I'll, I'll just mention this before I ask you this. Uh, first of all, since we're talking live shows, I saw Lit uh, a couple of times, once with uh, Handsome Devil and then another time with Buck Cherry and uh, who else was on there? P.O.D. That was just fantastic. It was four bands. It was the greatest show I saw. What was it? Summer of 2018? Was it? I think 2019? Yeah, about right. Man, that was so good. Um... But let's get into to my worst enemy. Talk to me about having that song hit because at the end of the '90s, you know, it was a whole new world. All our poisons and warrants had had blown up. Even their Nirvana thing had sort of come to an end, you know, come and gone. Um, what was it like to get on radio, and how hard was it to 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 get a song noticed? And then here we are, whatever, two hundred uh, streams later, or whatever the. Uh, what is the actual thing here? Yeah, 200, 200, 200 million streams, streams later. I mean, talk to me about that, that getting that on the, on, on the radio. Um, I mean, we, other than writing this song, we had very little to do with, um, with it getting on the radio. We had, we had some, uh, some early idea that there was going to be a couple stations that were going to play it. Um, they had heard the demo version of it and they were excited to put it on. So when we were recording it for the record, we kind of already knew it was going to be the first single. And we knew that there was going to at least be a couple stations that would give it a shot. But what ended up happening with it was completely just mind boggling, un un 
you nothing that you could ever plan for. Um, yeah. And honestly, not even really anything you could even dream about. Like no, no kids sitting around going, man, I hope I can have a number one song for 11 weeks straight. It's, like, yeah. it's not even on the list. You know, it's just, it's just like, man, I hope I can go play. You know, I hope I can go on the road and go on tour and maybe open up for somebody cool. And, and it would be neat to hear my song on the radio. You know, that's kind of as far forward as you, as you, as you're thinking about it. And, um, and yeah, and just, and then on top of that, then it's like, if you would have asked me 20 years ago, like, what, you know, where do you hear, where do you think this song's going to be 20 years from now? I'd be like, fuck. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know where I'm going to be 20 years from now. So, <laughs> um, the fact that it's still getting played as much as it gets played, it's just, uh, it's just crazy. Well, it's funny, you know, talking about that song, I mean, just talk about the writing of the song, first off, because that is one of the most iconic guitar licks of all time. As soon as you hear the, you know what song it is. Talk about how did you come up with that riff and like, where did that come from? Were you just sitting there and it happened or? Yeah, man, kind of, you know, first of all, one of the reasons I started playing guitar in the first place, or actually one of the reasons I started writing songs in the first place was because I wasn't good enough on the guitar to like play an entire Judas Priest song from front to back or a Iron Maiden. Play Man's Eruption. Song, you know? Yeah, I couldn't play Eruption. You know, I could play like the beginning of uh, You Really Got Me. That was about it, you know? Right. So I figured like, you know, the only way I'm going to really be able to get through a whole song is if I write my own song. Mm. And, um, and I come from kind of a simple, you know, the first riffs I ever learned on guitar were like, um, you know, smoke on the water and, and crazy train and, um, the less is more kind of riffs. Yeah. And, and, and just iconic riffs that start songs. And that was kind of my, and, and I was always fascinated with simple, simple riffs and simple um uh, like like back in black you know? yeah or you, you listen to heartbreaker i mean it's yeah. zeppelin you know all the I was all those always riffs. trying to come up with with simple riffs that 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 kind of just rubbed and rocked and that one was just happened to be one of them just felt you know and the funny thing is and I've, I've told this story many times but you know every label passed on my own worst enemy every wow. you know all the labels that all our peers were on, you know, the president of Interscope Records walked out of our showcase during Mile Worst Enemy. Um, wow. And, you know, I mean, you you name the label, they passed. So um, that song actually was your worst enemy because it was emptying rooms. Yeah. It was just clearing <laughs> the room out. When, when, that dude, when that dude walked out of our showcase, we were playing at like four o'clock in the afternoon at the Viper Room. And we were only playing five songs, and I think Enemy was song three. And he walked out the side door. Which, so he couldn't be seen? Oh, I'm out of here. Man. Yeah, if, you're with, if, if you're familiar with the Viper Room, there's I am. a door right next to the stage that yeah. goes out onto Sunset Boulevard. Yep. And when he walked out, the sunlight just came shooting into the club. Oh, and just no. Like wrecked the whole vibe. And everybody was like, <laughs> it was one of those things where we were like, what a dick. Yeah. Was that what Jimmy Iovine? No, it was uh, Tom Wally. Okay. Does he still ex- does he still work in the business? I have no idea, but uh, <laughs> I think so. He's kind of one of those lifer guys, executive guys. But yeah. what the funny thing is, is we were we were like, what a dick move that was. Unless he did it to psych out the other A and R guys there, maybe he's going to call us later and offer us a record deal. You know, maybe 
he'll tell that story one day like oh i pretended like i hated him and then i signed you know but no <laughs> it was that, just that a big happen. mind fuck <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen he just fucking dicked out on us that day and uh ruined that's... our showcase but yeah, and but then i think that's... it was after that then we stopped showcasing in la for labels we, we we would make them come to anaheim and sweat it out with us in our in our in our backyard yeah, on home turf like marlboros and natural lights you know right i mean that's intimidating right off the bat you have to be there to basically you know it's basically a dick measuring contest between you and all the other bands and stuff and you're trying to show them off what you got but then it's like a guy like that obviously that'll be soul crushing for somebody like in that position to walk out when you're playing what you think is probably you know one of your better songs and yeah. it's like that's just, that's just bullshit you know well miserable was one of the songs too um mm -hmm. The, the five songs that we played that day, I mean, four of them were on A Place in the Sun. Um, it's a nerve wracking. I don't envy any band that's showcasing for any yeah. executive anywhere yeah. in the world because it's the most nerve wracking thing because you, you know, you don't, again, it's one of those things you're not sitting there as a kid dreaming of the day that you could go, you know, impress a guy in a, in a suit. suit. <laughs> no, it's like that's not it was not on my list of dreams. I gotta say, I've only seen one showcase in my life, and it was Mandy Moore with uh Jason um Jason Hook on guitar. It was like, hey, Jason, oh, wow. Jason ended up in Five Finger Death Punch. Um, yeah, I, I just want to take a, take us to the to the present. You, you do have a new album that, that you're working on, you, you've been working with different songwriters. Uh, the last one, These Are the Days had a bit more country feel to it more of a country rock or a modern country feel to it is that where you want to go with the band or do you want to get back to the early days and be the the, the my worst enemy band we the new record is old school lit. it's it we okay. went to nice a, a place that we we when we <clears throat> kind of started the writing process i mean we said we was the beginning of the lockdown and we were still trying to get our footing and how that world was going to work for us and with zooms and, 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 and all that. But, um, we, we purposely set out to put our heads in the space that they were in, in the late nineties and early two thousands. And we, we changed what we were listening to around the house. And we were, we started listening really? to, old, um, even old lit demos and just, just really trying to get back to, that place because we knew we didn't want to write um anything about politics or anything about right. viruses or you know being locked, locked down <laughs> like know. everybody else is writing about let me yeah, just, let me just let me just take up on that for a second as you got older did you just sort of forget what lit was did you sort of forget who you were as a band and, and say hey we got to go back and study us well i you know we we AJ and I live in Nashville now. We've been coming to Nashville for a lot of years. Right. We do love country music, and we, um, you know, we had to refocus our attention to what lit meant to us and what we felt like it meant to our fans. And I think putting these are the days out was was d confusing a little bit to some of the, you know, some of our fans love that record and and they found their own songs on there that meant something to them. And, right. and, and then there were other fans that were just like, Oh, country sucks, you know? And then, yeah. and then there were country fans that liked the record, but then when they found out it was lit, they're like, wait, the cars in the front yard guys. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. Win. Kinda, you know, we, we accepted that and we realized like, you know, lit is, is, is a thing to people that represents a certain thing. And we, we need to be that. And not that we can't grow and not that we can't explore. Yeah. Uh, we got away with it. We made a country record. They let us do it and we're still alive yeah. to tell the story. Well, right. And, and um, but it almost makes it cooler now because I don't think it would be, I think when, uh, um, when you hear shit, sorry guys. No but, worries. Um, I was I was going to say, you know, I I think the cool thing about Lit is that, you know, for the for a, a small period of time, there was this thing about pop punk that wasn't cool anymore. And now with Travis Barker bring, you know, with his label and he's bringing out guys like Jaden and Modson and Gradson and even yep. Avril Lavigne coming back and like the, like Machine yeah. Gun Kelly is waving the flag for the whole scene really in this day and age which is kind of sad. And then you got a band like Lit who is are like the OG guys in that scene. I mean, you guys should be the ones bringing back the pop punk and I think now is the time for Lit to, you know, drop a banger like that. Well, yeah. I think you'll hear when you hear this record I I I do think it's I, I think we could have put this record out right in between A Place in the Sun and Atomic, and it would have been... Um, Smash. But it, now, it, we, we did, you know, we worked with um, a couple guys here in Nashville, um, Carlo and Eric, who produced the record with us, and mm -hmm. they brought a young, um, fresh production approach to it. So oh, nice. we, we kept the... We kept the um, you know, we kept the, the 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 tires on the road heading down towards, you know, old school lit. And they yeah. kept us challenged with new school approaches and, and, and dynamics and sounds. And so, yeah, man, we'll see. I, I think people I think people are going to be stoked. I think that I think um, and maybe uh, MGK will take us out on the road with us. <laughs> That'd be <laughs> awesome. The, uh, the first single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that just a single while we wait for the album or is it a single from the album? And is it indicative of what fans can expect? It is. Um, it's on the record. Okay. And there will be we did a video for it. Kind of an old school throwback to kind of like the videos we used to love. The yeah, movie. I watched it. It was a fantastic pool party. The whole effing thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there's going to be another single that will come out probably February, and then we'll drop a third single in the spring when the album comes out. So we kind of are doing things a little bit backwards these days, I guess. And before it was like you throw, you know, your, your record out and your first single out, and then you kind of live and die by how that one does. Right. right. And, and now it's kind of like, you put a few out and then the record we, we kind of like are describing it as more of a yearbook like you know you get your high school yearbook on the last day of school not the first day of school you know yeah <laughs> yeah so it, we'll get some we'll get some uh some songs out and some stories out before we drop the whole thing and well we we talk to a lot of artists and we always ask them that i mean is it viable to even put out a full collection of music these days like can't you just put out maybe like four songs in the ep and say here you go there's some new songs but come catch us on the road and we're going to be playing a mixture of the old stuff and the new stuff like is it worth it to still put out the collection or i think you know we're a band that's always made albums that had a, a beginning a middle and end and had you know, we, we sit in the mastering room and we count in between songs, like, you know, one, 1,000, two, 1,000 now, you know, and, <laughs> and, you know, and then some songs just have a, 
a cut at the end and some crossfade into the next song or whatever. And we've always treated our albums as, as like a, a set list, you know? And mm -hmm. um, so for us, it, it, it's important. Um, now, whether or not people are buying physical copies of albums anymore, probably not so much, but I, I do think if you are one of those people that do, that's me. You'll, you'll put the needle on the vinyl and it'll take you on a ride. It's not going to just be 12 digital songs with exactly the same amount of seconds in between each song. Right. You know, and I loved what Adele did recently with the whole shuffle feature on her record. I, I yeah. thought that was amazing that they took that off for her because it's true. It's, it's, you know, the last thing you want to do is put so much thought into the way an album rolls out and then, you know, uh, some random shuffle play and it just put throws you into song eight which is you know <laughs> kind of in a way part of the end of song seven and the beginning of song nine and you want right. it to be in context you know it was an interlude between the two and you know you, you didn't yeah. get the musical piece or yeah. <laughs> see yeah i, I think that's you would one. both hate me because i make playlists i never listen to albums as they're made i cut stuff up and put them in playlists and i oh, have I metallica going into genesis and genesis going into lit it yeah yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I do the same thing, but then I also love, usually when my wife's not around, and I'll throw one of my old vinyl records on and listen to that thing, you know. Blasting like a virgin. Yeah, dancing around the house, you know. <laughs> no one's watching. I, I want to talk about, because you just said something really interesting, you know, working with some new producers that are giving you more of a modern approach to production just to take us back to my own worst enemy and that guitar tone. Do you remember your guitar rig that you were using to create that tone? Cause it's a really cool guitar tone. Thanks man. I still have it. I still, um, the funny thing is about that tone and, um, it was a heavy metal tone. In fact, I bought, there was a, a heavy metal band from the, um, eighties called leather wolf. They're an orange County band. Really? If you're into metal leather wolf, the, the first two albums are a fucking killer. Yeah. And Leather Wolf. Yeah. I bought old school eighties, my friend. Yeah. And I actually bought Carrie Howe was one of the guitar players. And I bought one of his Marshalls that he mm. used on the early Leather Wolf records. And he was the one who told me um, to get the, the yellow boss SD one super overdrive pedal to go with it. Oh yeah. That combination of a Marshall JMP amp with a, boss sd1 overdrive pedal has been my formula for 30 years and it was out of style then it was in style then it was out of style then it was yeah. you know then it was cool again and then when enemy came out and that riff was on the modern rock radio people were like wow that guitar tone is you know but yeah. i mean that yeah. same damn guitar tone i mean you could play fucking lay it down from rat and it would sound killer absolutely know? It's a heavy metal tone that I've just had since I was a kid and 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 um and still to this day. I mean, I have I still have that amp. I've mm -hmm. got several of them and I take them on the road and um I took them in the studio and modeled them for my Kemper so I can have I, I have that sound safely stored digitally now and forever uh, and ever. Forever and ever. <laughs> By the way, so, uh Jeremy uh, the the one on the bottom there is the is the gearhead and when you're talking about gear, I'm just looking at his face and he's like <gasps> 
Yeah, because Mitch doesn't like it. Mitch isn't a musician. He's just like a casual fan that knows nothing. He just likes to listen to the songs and could care less about your guitars and your, your pedal boards and everything. But I'm the gear slut because yeah. I, I love all this shit. I'm a musician too. So all, all that matters is a good singer. If you got a good singer, the rest is irrelevant. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> But talking about that guitar tone really quickly, because I was just recently re-listening to it, and there's such a cool compression aspect to the tone, like at the beginning. It almost has like a like it's got like a, I don't know, it's like in the attack, it's a combination of the attack they use and maybe the way they mixed it. Like, was there any like secret sauce that was put on that tone at all, or? Man, uh, it was, well, I did have a couple of amps chained on that record. Um, I know I was borrowing Steve Vai let me borrow his Bogner ecstasy head. Wow. I had that set up. Um, a half stack set up. I had my Marshall half stack set up and then I had two other Marshalls. Um, and we would just sort of alternate and kind of blend, um, whatever sounded the best. And then I was using, um, I discovered in the studio, uh, uh the Seymour Duncan Trembucker pickup. Oh Yeah. They call it something else now, but they still make them. And all, all my guitars have that pickup in there. And mm -hmm. in the studio, I kind of found that it 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 reminded me of it was it was somewhere between a Strat and a Les Paul. Um, it, it it wasn't you know wasn't full on Les Paul and it wasn't full on Strat. It was it sat nicely in the middle, and I I just have always loved that the sound of that pickup. But honestly, yeah. you give me any guitar with a trembucker in it and a, and a and a marshall and a sd1 and i'll have that tone yeah i'm trying to think of the i think they still make the trembucker seymour dog it could be just be a jb now or you know something like that but yeah yeah i'm that, getting a strat made right now with one in it but they called it something different um hmm. but it's the same you know same idea same square because they have Ooh. the trembuckers versus the humbuckers but the trembucker is just like f space for like a floyd rose or whatever it might be so well, there you go. Yeah. Um, let me just bring you back to the uh, to the podcast for for a section for a second. Uh, talk to me about the concept of of these four shows, and is it something that you want to get into more? Where you're going to talk about the whole album, or talk about a new album? You know, you want to make a podcast series for here's our new album, here's the album where we went country, or or you just want to do these four, and you're like, all right, I'm done. Four four is enough. Well we were approached to do this um, podcast. Actually, we were approached originally to do a documentary um, and the podcast sort of became this audio documentary of um, we are in it, we're interviewed in it. And so we're a part of it. And obviously it's talking about us and our story, but we are, we're just guests on this podcast that's narrated by somebody who really did his homework. He does an amazing job. We had no idea who he was going to contact. And so he interviews, um, you know, he talks with Adrian from No Doubt and Noodles from Offspring, talks to our old A&R guy. He talks to our old manager. Um, he wow. talks to other, you know, peers and, uh, you know, a, a professor from some college of music and the person who picked the music for the rock band, you know, video game and stuff like that and he really really um and it started out i don't think it was intended to be four episodes i think it was going to be one or two and it turned into this thing and um mm. it may still be a documentary but it really is is a it, it's a story of the song but it really is a story of four kids that 
just didn't take no for an answer and just were, you know, gluttons for punishment, but believed in what we were doing and just never quit, you know? And, yeah. and then this song happened to us and it was like, um, you know, life-changing, but also super like validating that for 10 years, just getting, you know, knocked down and knocked down and knocked down and then getting back up and, and just keep going, keep going, keep going. And then, all right, here, all right, guys here, bam. Yeah. Here's the, here's the keys to the kingdom. You know, did you listen to the podcast and like, be like, Oh no, you know what? Hey, he totally got that wrong. Or was it like band sanctioned and you approved everything before it went out? We didn't approve anything before it went out. In fact, almost on purpose we didn't want to we, we you know we're like look this isn't this isn't our album this isn't um a song that we're mixing this is somebody else's mm-hmm. um right baby, baby. yeah but don't and you want the correct information out there it could be fake news you know the, the funny part um and i still haven't heard the entire thing but um the um i was listening to one sec segment of it and there's a songwriter and i can't think of his name right now but apparently he's had a bunch of huge hit songs and mm. he was talking about it like you know on this one part they could have went here but instead they went there and it was a really like smart decision you know and he kind of like analyzed it in a way coming from a smart songwriter perspective and right. i was like and i was kind of laughing because i was like uh that was completely not intended not that was not a strategy we didn't know what the hell we were doing and uh that's just how how, that's just how it worked (laughs) yeah 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 that's funny uh let me ask you this you you have a bunch of people that have covered the song kelly clarkson jimmy fallon and then post malone who is one of the hottest artists around of the last at least two three years if not longer uh what's it like when those people pick up on the song and say you know what this is such a great song, such an iconic song that we got to give it a go. I, I saw a video um, two or three weeks ago with Machine Gun Kelly singing it um, at a party or something, and he was just like rocking out to it. And um, yeah. when Post did it, um, and we're big fans of his, you know, I think he's just... Uh, he's a talent. Dude's really great. talented guy, total rock and roll guy. Really, I've, I've heard AJ actually did something with him um, and hung out with him backstage, said he was a real sweetheart of a guy. Well, get and, him on uh, the show for us. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting, and we, and we go into this on the podcast because um, when I first started coming to Nashville, and it was probably 2005, I was coming because I was kind of disenchanted with rock and um, I wasn't hearing anything that was inspiring me. Guitars were starting to disappear from rock. And, um, and it, it it just got a little, it got a little weird. And so I was seeking something else to like satisfy my, you know, to, so I was, I was hoping something was going to like inspire me creatively in, in Nashville did that. But, um, I was worried about rock and roll and, and the next generation of kids. And I, I remember thinking like, you know, who's going to, who's going to write the next smoke on the water or the next crazy train, which what's happening right now. That's going to make a kid ask for a Les Paul for Christmas. And there right. wasn't any, and then this video game comes out and, you know, and kids and parents and families across the world are standing in front of their TV 
pretending to play these songs on guitar. And I had my yeah. son at the time was probably five, you know, and he's playing Creep by Radiohead and he's playing Nine More Send Me by Lit and beating me at it. You know, on expert level. <laughs> nice. Like, you little shit, I wrote this. <laughs> but um, oh, That's funny. But I remember thinking, this is going to be the way rock music and guitars are going to survive this, this wave of guitar-free music. And yeah. uh, anyways, long story short, I, I just read something recently that um, Post Malone said in an interview that that's what made him want to make music was the freaking rock band video game, you know, and Guitar Hero. That's what yeah. made him want to play guitar. And I'm like, there you go. That's a, I, I, you know, it was a hunch back then, but it's like, I, I really attribute my worst enemy's longevity to that ge other next generation of, of kids that were inspired, you know, by that. Do you want to work with Post? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. his collaboration with Ozzy, I know Ozzy purists are all, oh, it's no, it's, it's, it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, I love that. And Andrew Watt, one hell of a producer. I mean, geez. Andrew Watt, not only a great producer, a great guitarist. Man, what a, yeah. what a talent that guy is. Wow. Hmm. There we go. Well, yeah, Jeremy, it was great to talk to you, man. This was really we, cool. We, we've said it all. And, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's get you hooked up with all those writers and let's get you getting some... Uh, Great sticks sounding lit songs writ. yeah. <laughs> written. I want to hook up with those. I want to, I need to give old, uh, old, old Jimbo a, a shout. And yeah. uh, especially once we hit the road, because I would love to get in a room with him once we get to uh, get to Chicago and be great feel time. the love. Uh, what yeah. are the tour plans? We have, um, well, we're doing the Monsters of Rock Cruise. Nice. Um, cool. <clears throat> which we're excited about where we love so many of the bands that are on there bands we grew up listening to and it's cool to be to be um who's on there with you um like danger danger and uh faster pussycat and probably alice <laughs> cooper is headlining i know skid rose oh. on it mm. uh, um i haven't seen the lineup in a while but yeah just a ton tom of kiefer you know, a ton of tom kiefer look at tom that kiefer. there you go it's the it's the primary wave of boat perfect we love it <laughs> yeah but it, yeah that'll be cool we're doing um we're doing the uk with bowling for soup um early next year wow and nice. we're doing um and we're working on a on a on a lit tour for spring and summer and you know. Yeah, I don't know how the package treated you the alien ant farm and uh, buck cherry but if if that package went out again i'd be there in a second because i was just that was just four bands that were on fire that night mm. I mean, it was a fun tour, you know. Um, they made Watertown, New York exciting. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and that's hard to do. <laughs> I, I think when a, when a lineup like that, you know, you get four, three or four solid live bands together, everyone kind of pushes each other to, yeah. to, to deliver a little more each night, which is always good, you know. Yeah, yeah it was really good. Totally. Well, there you go. We we've said it all, and we we look forward to, to the album. The album's coming out. You said in March, right? The album comes out in spring, is all I know. So hopefully, uh, you know, my hunch is it's probably going to be more like April or May. Nice. But, but along the way, it'll be, uh, you know, we'll be dropping new music like every couple of months until then, and tidbits and stuff like the Enemy Podcast. Um, 
and our home video, which um, we haven't even announced this yet, but the home video that we, it was a very limited release that we did back in the day that is now on all the streaming stuff on TV. So you can, it's called oh. lit all access and it's a pretty nice. cool in the spirit of the old home videos that we used to love to watch when we were kids. It's kind of what we designed it after and, it, and, and it'll, it covers a lot of what the podcast covers and a lot of the history and, and uh, it shows us playing in front of six people at, in Cincinnati and, you know, in 98. And then it shows us playing in front of 60,000 people a year later and it kind of <laughs> everything in between. It's pretty Jeez. neat. So I think, you know, over the next few months, we're going to, we're going to do our best to um, tee up the new stuff and yeah. kind of remind people who we are and what we did. And, and, um, yeah. and there we go. Are you going to dedicate the new album to the guy that walked out on you in the Viper room? Ha! No, we're over that. We're over that. Right now. <laughs> I'm not so sure. We harbor no. no uh, we harbor no. Ill no grudges. No grudges. Yeah. All right. Well, then, uh, just All dedicate right. it to me and Jeremy. We'll be good. Uh, well, thank you, sir. Always, always a pleasure. Uh, we do spend our time uh, texting to each other, so it's actually nice to see you for a change. Yeah, man. But, uh, there you go. Appreciate and uh, yep. uh, that that night in Watertown. And I'll finish on this. Uh, my daughter came along and uh, with a friend. And uh, Jeremy went out of his way to make them feel comfortable, Gatorade, whatever they wanted, uh, T-shirts, the whole thing. So thank you for that. That was a honorable and pleasant thing to do. Didn't have to do it, but there you go. And she loved it and hasn't Absolutely. forgotten that memory. So well, thank you. Tell her, tell her I said hello. I will. Absolutely. There thank you, you sir. Merci. Yeah, you too. All right. All See you later. Cheers. Let me hit that. There you go.